This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. And guys, thank you. We're, we're continuing to pray for you and asking the Lord to bless you and pour out showers of blessings on you. And even though there's a lot of stuff going on, I believe our God can still bless us and can still do amazing things. He is not limited by the things that limit us. We have an unlimited God. Last week, we said we were going to do something different. We're going to take questions and just for a few moments, answer some questions. I don't know what they are. So, man, they, they might have sent me some ringers. And if I can't answer, I'm just going to tell you, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. But here's the first one. Oh, is it okay to cut out negative people <laughs> in, in your life? That's a loaded question. The, the reason it's a loaded question is because... You know, that might be a spouse act, you know, asking that about another spouse. Uh, I, I think you have to ask, ask the question, what negative people are we talking to? Are we talking, about, are we talking about people who that you work with, that you hang out with? If it's people that you hang out with, I, I think you, you can certainly begin to wean yourself of them. There's some people you're not going to be able to get away from. And so if you're married to someone who is negative, best thing to do is pray for them. Don't cut them out of your life. But if you're, these are people that you have choices as to whether you can spend time with them or not, well, then those are maybe some of the people. And, and, and before you just cut them out, you might want to tell them, bro, you are so negative. Do, man, you're bringing me down. Or, or hey, can you, can you share something good? And if, sometimes people don't even know it. They go, oh, man, I'm sorry. But if they, if they do know it and they just keep on being negative, you can, you can certainly begin to limit their input in your life. Great question. There's a second one. How can I help my child build a better prayer life? Well, that's another one. It's a good one. It's a long question. You know, you know what the best, the best way? I can take the best way. Here's, here's a simple answer. If they see you pray. The best way to do it is if they, if they see you pray. My children, all of them will tell you that one of their biggest memories is waking up and coming downstairs and seeing Joy in a, uh, a chair. She had a special chair. And when the children were very small, an early memory was coming downstairs in the morning and mom was praying. And so they always knew mom was praying. I was back in the back. They, they could hear me praying. And so the best way, without getting into a long answer, the best way that you can help your child build a prayer life is to pray yourself. And if you don't feel like, wow, you know what, I have not been much of a prayer, then tell your child that. Say, hey, listen, we're, we're going to learn to pray. I, I really believe that we can communicate with God, and I know God wants to communicate with us. We're going to learn to pray, and you can experience some of that together. Best example is what they can see. Tonight we're going to, and thank you for those. Do we have that number, guys? Can we put that number back up there? If you... If you have questions, I think there's a number that you can text to. So if you had questions or visit arc.info, if, if you want to get a question in, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll answer them. Obviously, can't answer all of them, but we'll answer some. We've been doing a series called Keeping Courage. Our text has been 2 Corinthians 4.1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, we do not lose heart. So we've been talking about losing heart, losing courage, certainly applies today when we're dealing with so many negative situations and, and so much uncertainty and so much negative input. And so the, the tendency to lose courage, and I've just watched it as a pastor. I've watched so many people 
doing so well, but then you could sense their, their courage and, and their heart has begun to slip. Lose heart, lose courage. How do we keep courage? Last week we talked about three things. Believing that God is with us helps us keep courage. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. He is the difference maker. And the fact that as we become more aware of him and aware of his ministry, the fact that we're not alone, greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world, that helps us keep courage. And then we also have something to say about God being in us. <clears throat> Scripture said, what shall we say to these things? If, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper, I will not fear. So we have something to say. Something that, that I, I may touch on again tonight, but something that Joy and I do a lot is just, we just say a lot of times, the Lord's helping us. The Lord's helping us. Someone said, well, we got this done, or this happened, or this took place. <clears throat> the Lord's helping us. When we don't know what to do, sometimes we're saying the very same thing. Lord's helping us. And so the idea of, of saying that, the more you begin to say that, saying that doesn't change God. But saying it does is begin to change us. And it begins to develop an, an, an inner reality in us. Hey, God's helping us. Hey, God's real. It's just almost like part of the idea of worship. When we worship, uh, we're magnifying God, we're praising God, and, and often you can sense his presence in, in a time of worship. But listen to the words that are coming out of our mouths. We're, we're talking about how much we love God, we honor God, how real he is to us. That does something for us. It honors him, but it also does something in us. Last week, we began to talk a little bit about developing a spiritual perspective, how developing a spiritual perspective helps us gain and keep courage. And we talked about something that Paul, Paul placed a lot of emphasis on what he called the inner man. 2 Corinthians 4th chapter, verse 16 and 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, <clears throat> yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Guys, you're going to have to excuse me. What does this say? Great. Tea time is me time. For our light, of, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but, but can you bring that back? Thank you. But at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So let's just talk a little bit about Paul's perspective. His, um, and we talked last week about the inner man. He, he, made, a, he made a distinction. The outward man, he said, is perishing. The inward man is being renewed. Someone said the outward man is growing older. No one likes to think about that. We're spending a lot of money on anti-aging, but the fact of the matter is the outward man is growing older. Now, we're fighting old age. My generation, especially, all, the, all us boomers, we're doing everything we can to fight old age. But it's, <laughs> we're not winning. We're, we're, we're slowing it, but we're not winning. Uh, outward man is, is getting older. Inward man, uh, inward man's renewed day by day. Inward man can be strengthened. The inward man doesn't get old. And so we also have the capacity to have the inward man strengthened. And so Paul had a real understanding of outward man, inward man. And he really focused on the inward man. We get, we get very focused on the body, how we look, how, how we, and, and that's understandable. But really the, the Bible focuses more on, on our inward man. That's the part of us that's eternal. And then Paul had a different perspective. And listen to his spiritual perspective. He, he called what he was going through, he said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. He, this is a guy who went through a lot of stuff. He called it light affliction. Now, if you look at some of the things that he went through, 
you wonder how in the world did he call it light affliction? But again, that was his perspective. He was shipwrecked. He had, he had spent time in jail. He's imprisoned. He was beaten like a number of times. He was stoned uh, with rocks. He was just, man, his life was, was difficult, but he calls it light and momentary. That's an interesting perspective. What if we looked at the situation that we're in right now and we begin to say, you know what? This, this light and momentary stuff that we're going through right now, this pandemic and this shutdown and all this stuff, it's light and momentary. Now, listen, don't get angry at me. Some of you are thinking right now, you don't know what I'm going through, Alan, and it's not light and it's not momentary. It feels like it's lasting forever. It will not last forever. And if it's light, it really depends on how we look at it. So it says, he said, it's light momentary, that the things that we see are temporary and they're subject to change. Here's the good news. Everything you can see right now is going to change. Everything is subject to change. All the stuff that we're dealing with right now, it's going to change. It is temporary. It's subject to change. He said, then the invisible things that we see are still real, they're just not in this realm. So he said, we're not looking at the, at the things which are, are changing. In other words, we say, well, of course I've got to look at it. I've got to, I've got to, I go to work I, or I, I don't go to work or I'm at home or we're all together. I can't help but look at it. And what Paul is, is not saying is that, that we deny that you're working out of the home. We deny that things have been difficult. What he's saying is our focus isn't there. We're just not so fixated on it that it becomes the biggest thing in our life. He said we begin to look beyond that to the things which are not seen. The invisible things, he said. Visible things are the reality of God, the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the fact that we have the Holy Spirit, the fact that we have God's word, which is alive and powerful. These are things that we can begin to look to. Now, again, this is a different perspective. And if you take this perspective, I promise you, you're going to be different from everybody else around you because everyone else is freaking out. They're going, I just can't, you know, when is this going to be over? And when is this? And, and, and we can talk like that. I understand that. I've, I've said the same thing. But our best perspective is what, if we begin to look beyond it and begin to say, you know what? We've got a God and he's real and he's helping us. We, we've got our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. We can't lose sight that we're just here for a short time. And if we begin, maybe it would help us if we begin to say, hey, what we're dealing with, light and momentary. It may not feel that way, but that's a good way to look at it. And you know what? I tell you what, 20 years from now, that's exactly how we're going to look back on this time. We say, do you remember when we went through that in 2020? And they say, oh yeah, yeah, those, those were a rough few months. And, but it won't be forever. Light, momentary, because God's helping us. And the idea is this, where we look impacts our heart and impacts our courage. Well, what we're looking at can really have an impact on our, on our heart and on, and on our courage. I, uh, I've told this story before, but of course we've got people now who get a chance to watch from all over the nation and world. And so maybe they haven't heard this, this story, but when I was in college, I was dating a girl. We were, we were thinking about getting married. We were pre-engaged, whatever that means. But it means like we were engaged to be engaged. And uh, fortunately, that, it, it did not happen. And no, it was not joy. But we were dating at a time, and another couple who was who's in my fraternity uh, invited us over to their apartment 
and they, they were watching a movie's Halloween. And they were instead of going to a party, we were going to go act like a couple and watch a, 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 a horror movie with them. Now, I'm not into horror movies, and I was reminded why I wasn't into horror movies when I watched it. It was one of those, and I, and I can't remember. Some of you know, it, it was one of those Friday the 13th or, or one of those. They made like a gazillion of them. But this was like the first one, and we're watching it on their television. And, man, it, you know, this, this guy, he's either got an axe, I think it was an axe, or a knife or something. And he's killing people, scaring the daylights out of people. And we were great when we went over there, having a nice time, sat down, watched that movie, and it's like, ooh. And it was time to, to take the girl I was dating to take her back to her dorm room. And I remember we got in the car, and, and it, was, it was like quiet. Because when we got in the car, I, I'm looking around as we walked out to the car. It's like 10 feet to the car, but I'm looking because I, I want to make sure that guy's not there. And we got, we got in there, and I actually drove around and took her to her dorm room, and I stopped at the front door. I said, well, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> she said, no, you're not. She said, you're going to walk me all the way up, fourth floor. You're going to walk me up or go up with me, but I am not going up there by myself. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to get out of this car. I, and and what, what had happened? This is not normal behavior. But we had been looking at terror and horror and fear all night. And it impacted us. Sometimes I'll have parents ask me, you know, my, my, my child's having nightmares. I ask them, what do they watch? Well, they love horror movies. <laughs> That's not helping them. And it honestly doesn't help us to watch fear and, and things like that. So you're saying, well, I, I, I don't watch horror movies. I got it. I understand that. But <laughs> some of the stuff we're watching right now is, is, is the real-life version of a semi-horror movie because it's negative and it's and it doesn't have God anywhere in it. And it's, it, it can sound so hopeless. And if we spend a lot of time looking at that, and I'm, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back to the news, whether they get it from television or internet or newspaper. Guys, it, it's, not, it's not designed to make you stronger. It's designed to pull you down. Now, I don't think people, most of them don't even know what they're doing, but if it's fear, if it's negative, it sells. And so if we keep looking at that, it's going to have an impact on our heart. In Romans, the eighth chapter, verses five and six, this is what Paul said. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, spiritually minded, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now that's, well, that's a key word. Life and peace. What's working in your life right now? You know, when life and peace are working in you, you can see it. When someone becomes afraid, you can see it. It, it, it becomes visible. And so a great thing to, to think about is if I'm anxious, if I'm, if I'm nervous, I'm afraid, what am I thinking about? What's on my mind? What am I focused on? Because if I'm focused on, if I'm focused on the Lord, if I'm focused on his help, if I'm focused on his provision, if I'm focused on his promises, if I'm focused on the fact that there is much more for me than there are against me, it's going to bring life and peace. If I'm focused on what's wrong, second wave, economic recovery, I don't know what's happening with my family. I, I, if I'm focused on that, it's not going to bring life and peace. 
So what, what we keep our minds on, what we look at, what our perspective is, is going to make a big difference. Now, I was thinking about that, and I've never, I've never taken it this far, but what if me and my ex-girlfriend, what if after watching that, that horror movie, what if we'd gotten in the car, and both of us are sitting there in the car scared, what if I just reached over and, and grabbed her hand and said, hey, let's pray. And we prayed. And he said, Father, thank you that what we saw tonight is fear and you don't give us a spirit of fear, but you give us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Thank you that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We're not living in this fear. We're, not, we're living with you. You watch over us. You protect us. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would that have made a difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you do that when you're dealing with stuff? Absolutely. This is where we have to shift over. I think sometimes people think, if I'm spiritually minded, that kind of means I'm living in a, in a woo-woo world. I'm like, oh, I'm spiritually minded, which is like synonymous with super weird. I don't believe Jesus was weird. I don't believe Paul was weird. I just believe they had a different perspective. And I believe that's what we want to develop is a different perspective. Everyone could be freaking out and we're not freaking out. We're just like, no, we're, we're going to trust God. Everyone's gone negative. We're not going to be negative. What is that? That's called being spiritually minded. Well, why are you not negative? Because I believe God can help us. That's why I'm not negative. Do you see, do you see, the, you see the difference? It, you don't, spiritually minded is not something that's going to come jump on you. It's something where we choose what we're going to think about and what we're going to focus on. And if we're thinking about the right things, it builds our courage. We think about the wrong things, guys. Any of us can get negative and get down. I mean, we just look around. What are we going to focus on? That's huge. So we understand that we're more than just a mind and a body. We have a spirit. And, and we have the ability then to, to get stronger in our heart. And as we get stronger in our heart, that's going to that's gonna help us. First Thessalonians 5th chapter, verse 23. Now, this is... a Interesting verse. I mean, the God of peace sancti himself sanctify or separate you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, notice again, where, where does Paul start? He starts with the most important part, highest priority, spirit, soul, body. Now, just a real simple way, our spirit is where we connect with God. That, that's, our, that's our connection to him. The Bible said the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord and that he enlightens us. That's, that's where our communion with God is. Our soul really deals with our, our reasoning and, and, and logic and, and thinking, and our body deals with feelings. That's where we connect with our feelings. So I, I, won't, I won't jump into all that tonight, but it, it's good to understand that we are made up of three parts. And so we're spirit beings. When you made Jesus your Lord, if you've asked him to be the Lord of your life, the Bible said you become a new creation. Well, any of us who who've made that decision can understand that being a new creation doesn't mean our, our, our skin gets new and our body's new. And if you had red hair, you now have blonde hair. You know, if you, Joy, Joy was so disappointed when she made Jesus her Lord as a, as a college freshman because she woke up the next morning, she said, and her face was still broken out. And she thought, hey, it's all going to change. Well, it did change on the inside, in the spirit, in that inner man. And so, and so then what happens is we have then, the inner man has changed. We have to become more spiritually minded. 
And then we have to do something with our thinking and our perspective, and we have to do something with our bodies. And so I, I think I've, I've got written down here, and this is, this is good. To be spiritually minded has to be more than what we feel or emotions or logic or reasoning. It's got to be more than that. It's going to be different from the culture and the environment around us. Now, if you stop and think about it, you say, well, who do I know that's really spiritually minded? Well, maybe you know some, some people who are strong Christians who really bring a God perspective into things. You can say, okay, that's, that's probably somebody right there. It's going to be different from the world around us. And so that's, that's begin the key, to develop a more spiritual perspective, to become more spiritually minded, which, by the way, will help us keep our courage. To do that is not up to God, it's up to us. Romans 12, 1 says this. I beseech you, therefore, this is Paul talking to the church at Rome, applies to the church in Conroe. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, this culture that we're living in, but be transformed. That's a transformation by the renewing or regenerating of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So we have something that we have to do with our bodies. We have to keep our bodies under. Paul said, I keep my body under. Your body still wants to do the same things, has same feelings, same desires, and you just learn to go and tell your body no. So we have to renew or renovate our mind. That means our attitudes, our perspectives, the way that we think. And that's a process. That's something we're constantly doing. We see a challenge. Oftentimes we look at a challenge and we go, I, I can't do that, I can't do that. As we renew our mind, we begin to think, I'm not alone, God will help me. I can do that. So we're changing our perspective. As we change our perspective, again, this is, this is not nebulous, it's like woo-woo. We take God's word, we begin to apply it in our lives, we begin to think differently. And so instead of, Everybody's freaking out, but you're not freaking out because you believe God will help you. Everyone is negative, but you're not negative because we believe, hey, we're going to come through this and God's going to help us. And, and we can see that there's great days ahead for the church. We're thinking differently. And that's something that God won't make you do, but he gives us the ability to do it. Our Bible, listening to messages, spending time with him helps us begin to change the way we think and changing the way we think towards a more spiritual mindset helps us keep our courage and we need that so desperately hey we're gonna we're gonna i'm gonna cut it off right there for tonight but let's do this let's let's take a moment and tonight if you're here and you say you know what i or you're here you're not here wherever you are you say i, I don't i don't know that i have a relationship with the lord i i don't know that that if, 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 I, if I just left my body tonight, I don't, I don't know that I would go and be with him. And that's, that's definitely a concern. Or maybe you're, you're, like, you're like many of us. Maybe you had a relationship with the Lord and, and maybe during, during this pandemic for some reason, you just fell away and have gotten so far away from him. I, I talked to a guy today and, and man, he's a great guy. And he, and he keeps saying, man, I know I need to get back in church. I need to get back in church. And I didn't have time to go into it. It's not so much getting back in church. In fact, you can't get back in church in most places. But you can come back to the Lord. We're going to say a prayer. And if either one of those situations applies to you, this is a great opportunity for you to make a, a heart connection that changes everything. 
If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly to yourself. Let me lead you in it. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for all those that prayed that prayer. For those who have come to you for the very first time, they step right out of darkness into your marvelous light. And for those who have come home <clears throat> or come back, Father, pray for them, strengthen them, encourage them. We love them. You love them even more. Father, thank you. This is the beginning of something really, really good in their lives. I give you all the praise. But Father, also pray for those who know you, who've walked with you, whose minds maybe have focused on the negatives, on the, the problems, on the stuff that's going on. Father, help us, strengthen us, so we can lift our eyes past what's seen, to see the things beyond, to get your perspective on things. And Lord, we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.